And a good bit after everything was done, after all three home runs had leaped off the bat of Michael Perez, he sat there at his stall late last night at PNC Park, watching him from the other side of the room, texting, texting away, thumbs moving like crazy. But his face, his expression never changed never changed. I kept waiting for it, and it wasn't changing until finally he let out just just a little teensy-weensy bit of a smile. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this. Pirates 8. Brewer 7. I could talk about a whole bunch of other stuff from that game. JT Brubaker, early pitch, all that great. David Bednar struggled. Uh, Yeri De Los Santos came in and bailed him out. O'Neill Cruz and Jack Sawinski went back-to-back with their own bombs. But Michael Perez, he of the 129 batting average, went deep. Not once, not twice, but three times. And he did so the day after Brian Reynolds did it. And 12 days after Sawinski did it. And the Pirates became the first team in Major League Baseball history to have three players hit three home runs in a game in the same month. The historical stuff from this would fill this episode and probably the next three. But what got me more than anything was the reaction to it, starting with Perez's own. This is someone you'd think would have been dancing on air as he went around the base paths. This is a 29-year-old who's never really hit in the majors. Certainly not for average, who's either been discarded or on the precipice of being discarded his entire career. A pretty good defensive catcher, a conscientious teammate when it comes to working with his pitchers. And as a result, you get in good with Ben Charrington. That's just how that goes. But he couldn't hit, he couldn't make anywhere near enough contact to matter at all offensively. You couldn't bury him deep enough in your lineup. And yet, he had virtually no reaction. In this day and age where standing and watching and even flipping the bat or whatever is completely okay. Cruz did a little bit of that earlier in the game, and he hasn't been in the majors for a month yet. It's now okay. That's just the way this generation rolls. And and again, Perez is 29, so it's not like he's some old man. He could have done it, certainly, with the third one. And he didn't. He didn't. He stayed within himself. He stayed true to himself because that's who he is. And the same applied afterward when he, he had a soft smile throughout his interview session but otherwise just kept things well to who he is. 
Uh, I mean, I always believe in myself. I mean, that I can do my best every day and, I mean, uh, be part of this and the win, most importantly, it feels good. To hear that, he talked about how the runs affected the team. Well, they kind of did, being that the game stayed close the whole way through, even though the Pirates hit five total homers. So if there was some seminal moment here, if there was some big thing in Michael Perez's life, the greatest day he'd ever had, either he wasn't feeling it or he didn't want us to see it. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Here's what I think, and I've spent more time with Perez than most of the Pirates' older players, in large part because I always feel a need to communicate with catchers because catchers don't just talk about themselves. Catchers talk about their pitchers as well, and for someone who's conducting interviews, that's very valuable because I can ask him about, you know, half the roster. And I'm going to point out a couple of things. One of them is to reiterate his team emphasis. This is not something he's saying after the fact. He and I had a good dialogue down in Bradenton near the end of spring training this year where he went around the room, basically. He was sitting in a a stall that was right by the door. It's kind of an awkward spot for a veteran, but right by the main door as you enter and he's motioning around to everyone else he sees talking about what they can contribute to winning. Contribute to winning. I'll remind you, he's playing for the Pirates. The other point here is if you're listening closely there, he said, I believe in myself. I've always believed in myself. When you watch Michael Perez in batting practice, he's always one of the more impressive sessions. He has a natural uppercut. He does have a pretty violent swing, and while that, more often than not, obviously in his career has led to a lack of contact, when he's made contact, it's been pretty significant. He's got six home runs this year. He's got 15 hits. For his career, he's got 15 home runs, 90 hits in 513 at-bats. So I asked after the game, Derek Shelton, the former hitting coach, if he would have been as surprised that Perez would come up with home runs in lieu of regular old hits. Yeah, I I mean, he has the ability to drive the baseball, especially on the pull side, and he hits the ball hard. Uh, It's just, you know, making sure that he's on time to get there, and tonight he was on time. Yeah, as I'd later joke with somebody else, the, the real surprise of the night was that Perez also had a single. That was his first hit. What a night. What an unbelievable night at PNC Park. Do not ever take three home run nights for granted, even when they come at you three within a dozen days. When we come back, J1Q.
Today's J1Q comes from Mike Lynn, who asks, is it too soon to lock up Michael Perez on a Cabrian Hayes-type deal and then trade Henry Davis for a big league-ready ace? You know, the funny thing is, I'm not going to lie, my initial reaction when you sent this question in was, whoa, wait a second, he's serious. And I, I, I know you're not. I'm just so used to getting these reflexive responses every single time someone, anyone associated with the Pirates does something positive. It's, aha, they're going to trade him. He's going to get fitted for pinstripes or extend him into eternity. So once I realized what you were up to there, I just smiled and decided we were going to make it today's J1Q. It's good stuff. That said, your inclusion of Davis in this question reminds me that as we look around this everyday eight diamond, we do see a lot of spots solidifying. By my count, it's half of them. And that, of course, would be Reynolds, Hayes, Sawinski, and Cruz. And you'd better believe I'm including Sawinski. The kid's doing stuff right now that other players can't do. There's no way, even if he were to go through some massive slump or whatever, that you would abandon that. So he's going to get a chance to be that guy. When you unleash this much power, you're part of the solution, or at least you're a potential part of it. But as you do that, as you work your way around, and you ask yourself, where are the spots that still need to be filled? Well, you know, on the right side, at second base, you know, Nick Gonzalez is a first-round pick. A lot of people consider him, even while Cruz was doing great in the minors, to be the Pirates' number one prospect. Okay, great. He's going to be the second baseman at some point. Right field, you've got any number of young players who can, and I think should, Compete for it. If that's Cal Mitchell, if that's Tucapita Marcano, if that's Travis Swaggerty, you've got candidates. You've got young guys who should be clawing at each other to win that spot. Whether that's right or left, it doesn't matter. Sawinski's got one, and one of them's going to have the other. But you have something there. You have something that you know is going to fill it. There's no way all three of those kids are going to fall on their faces. First base, well, I don't really know. You know, first base, as, as much as I, I, I love Michael Chavis, and by that I mean on and off the field, he's, he's in his age 27 season. He's got arbitration right around the corner. Uh, he's not the kind of size that you want at the position. But I'll always say that of all the positions you have on the diamond, the easiest one to go and solve from the outside is first base if you feel compelled to do that. And then at catcher, I guess it's Davis. I mean, I guess it had better be. This was the first overall pick in the draft. He's being fast-tracked through the minors. He's had some uh, health bumps along the way, but he hasn't exactly disappointed anyone. And the next person within the organization who doubts that he can stay behind the plate, at least that I hear from, will be the first. But, but, Davis isn't going to be able to do that on his own. And that's where Charrington's passion 
for defensive catchers, for catchers who engage with their pitchers and the coaches and call the game at the level that he expects, sure wouldn't hurt to have someone like a Perez around. And no, I'm not advocating for your extension here. Just throwing it out there. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates today, all week long. And we'll do this again Monday to describe the Pirates' wholly improbable four-game sweep of the crew. <laughs>